the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. It tells us here that Jesus, when he opens the seventh seal, I'm back in verse 1 of chapter 8, that there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. If there ever was a pregnant pause, that's one right there. I mean, you have a lot of worship going on in chapter 7. You know, back in chapter 7, verse 11, it says, All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Burning all around, and then ocean life snuffed out, all rotting away in the water that's not water anymore. Kind of sounds like something fictional that you'd read, doesn't it? Dear ones, how I wish it were so. But there will be a day when these things happen, and God says, turn your life around, follow me, before it's too late. Pastor Gary talks today about two extremes. One of rejoicing and one of judgment. The seal is opened. The trumpet sounds. More judgment poured out on earth for the wrongs that have been committed. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 8 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. We're still here in the book of Revelation, so let's take our Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. If you're new to our Bible study, basically this, the world is coming to an end. <laughs> so, so get right or get left. You know, that's the way it's going to work, all right? That sounds really gloomy, doesn't it? But, you know, sometimes you gotta, you got to have reality. You know, sometimes the medicine doesn't taste very good going down, but it's what we need to, to hear and it's what we need to know. So we're here in Revelation chapter 8. Let me give a quick synopsis of where we are and then we'll pray. If we have time, Lord willing, we're going to look at chapters 8 and 9 together. But for the sake of quick review, and I apologize for those who have already heard this numerous times, but I'm always mindful that there are new people to our Bible study. This is the timeline we're, we're working with through the whole book of Revelation. And we've come now to the section on the timeline of the seven-year tribulation period, which is to come. This is future. So the rapture of the church is the next thing we're looking forward to. It's going to be happening at some point in the future, followed by seven years of tribulation on the earth. What is that? It's when God unleashes a series of judgments 
in order to get people's attention as the final wake-up call in order for people to be saved. There are three basic reasons why God will bring tribulation upon the earth, and here they are, to wake up unbelievers, people who aren't Christians, to try to help them to get to that place finally of surrender. Number two, to shake up the nation of Israel. God's not done with the Jewish people. Many Jews are coming to faith in Jesus as the Messiah, but it'll be an opportunity specifically for the nation of Israel to have their eyes open to Jesus as Messiah. And then number three, to make up the kingdom of God, because after all of this is done, at the end of the book of Revelation, there's a new heaven and a new earth, and the whole kingdom of God will be made up at that point. There's not going to be any other opportunities for people to kind of join the club, if you will. It's going to be made up at that point of those who are believers And those who are not believers have already been separated from God. And so these are the reasons why God brings the tribulation. And then through chapters 6 through 18, what we find is that God's wrath is revealed through a series of three events. And these are successive events. So we talked about the opening of the seals. There are seven seals that are opened on a scroll. Jesus Christ is going to open the scroll and he's going to read judgments against the earth in a series of seven seals that are broken, these wax seals that are broken as the scroll is unraveled. That'll be followed by seven trumpets that are blown. We'll get into that and we'll see how far we get. But God is going to dispatch seven angels who will blow seven trumpets, one trumpet each. And in the blowing of a trumpet, they will announce more series of judgments that are coming upon the earth. And that'll be followed by seven bowls that are poured out. Again, God is going to use angels to pour out bowls, and the bowls that are poured out upon the earth will be indications of further judgments that God has against people who are on the earth. And so, again, if you agree with the timeline that the church will be raptured, then as a believer, you don't have to worry about any of these things happening, but your hearts should still go out to those who will be left behind those who will still be here on the earth, those who will go through this. And so we should have, obviously, a heart for those folks who are going to be left behind. God is still going to be actively at work to try to win their hearts, and there will be many who will come to faith in Jesus during the seven-year tribulation period, but it will be under excruciatingly painful circumstances. And once one becomes a believer... Then we'll talk later about how each person on the earth will be required to get the mark of the beast, the mark of the Antichrist, and believers will not receive the mark, and thus they will be martyred for their faith. So there's this double-edged sword. It's like, okay, well, the good part of it is people can still get saved. The difficult part of it is if you get saved during the tribulation, you're going to be martyred for your faith. And so these are very, very difficult chapters, and and I get that. And so, you know, particularly for people who are non-believers, and you read some of this, and it's so intense, and, it, it you know, God is pouring out his wrath, and it just seems to those whose view is solely that God is a God of love, counterintuitive to that. But but we have to remember that love is also expressed in, in the form of justice. And, you know, in Habakkuk said, the prophet Habakkuk said to God, in wrath, remember your mercy. And God remembers his mercy, but, you know, he must punish sin and unfaithfulness. Otherwise, he would not be a just God. So, so it is hard for us in our ideal of God being, well, that this seems to be incompatible with God being a God of love. You have to understand, 
There are things that God necessarily has to do in our lives to finally get our attention. And if he were a passive God who was unloving, then he really wouldn't care, you know, what, what kind of pressure you had to undergo in order to finally surrender. But because he is loving and does care, he'll turn up the heat and he will turn up the pressure because he wants people to finally get to the place that if they, if they in their own comfort won't accept him and receive him, then perhaps in their own discomfort, they will finally cry out to him. And all of us understand this to some degree, don't we? Because, you know, if you, if you've ever been estranged from God and you've been, you know, kind of, you know, careless in your walk with him and then some difficulty comes, you know, you lose your job or a loved one dies or something. And then what's, what's the natural tendency? You start to cry out to God. Oh, God, help me. You know, I need. And so he knows how, how we're wired. He knit us together in our mother's womb. And so sometimes, We come to God at a place of comfort, but oftentimes we come to God in a place of discomfort because those are the things that cause us to be aware of our need for a Savior. And so that's how we have to really process these chapters. So as we get here to chapter 8, we're going to see the first of seven trumpets that are blown, and that will unleash uh, God's uh, wrath upon the earth. But before we read chapter 8, let's just uh, pause first and, and bathe our study in a word of prayer. So let's pray. God, we come before you thankful for your word. These are chapters that you've included for our benefit. You have given us a glimpse of things that are to come, that we would be ready personally, and that we would also have a heart for those that may not be ready so that we would be bold in our faith to help them to become ready, that we, that we would be more motivated as we see the day approaching, to share our faith and to help people understand who Jesus is and how, and how Jesus died on a cross for our sins. Because we know your heart, Lord. You tell us in your word you want none to perish but all to come to repentance. And so, Lord, we understand the way you've had to work in our own hearts many times by turning up the heat in order to get us to finally surrender. And that's what you're doing in these chapters. These things that are to come will be grievous days upon the earth. But Lord, in the process, many will come to finally trust you. Others will be angry at you. And Lord, we understand that's the way human nature often is. But we do pray, first for our own hearts and then for the hearts of people around us, Lord, that we would come to that place of surrender early. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read all of chapter 8, and then we'll, we'll backtrack. And if we have time, we'll get into chapter 9 as well, because chapters 8 and 9 are about the next series of judgments that come in the form of trumpets. And so chapter 8, verse 1, John writing here says, When he, that is Jesus, opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, 
and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. And then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed." Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and of the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. And then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine. And likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. All right, we'll pause there. John the Apostle is being shown these things by the Lord way into the distant future from where he is, you know, in the early first century. He's seeing past even our time about these cataclysmic events that are coming upon the earth. The eighth chapter here begins with Jesus opening the seventh seal. Remember, these are successive. And the seventh seal is announcing the seven trumpets. And it tells us here that Jesus, when he opens the seventh seal, I'm back in verse 1 of chapter 8, that there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. If there ever was a pregnant pause, that's one right there. I mean, you have a lot of worship going on in chapter 7. You know, back in chapter 7, verse 11, it says, All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I mean, the whole of heaven is ringing with the sound of praise from all the angels and the elders and the living creatures, and then suddenly there's silence for about a half an hour. And it is like this holy hush. And it's very foreboding as Jesus is about to dispatch seven angels who will blow these trumpets to announce another series of judgments against the earth. But you have to try to imagine, you know, for a, for a half an hour, silence in heaven. It's gone from this boisterous, joyful celebration of God around the throne to now complete silence for a half an hour. And John says in verse 2, and I saw the seven angels. Now, in the original Greek language, the direct article, the, indicates to us that these are particular angels, not just any angels that, that have been dispatched for this particular purpose. He sees seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets, And he says, then another angel. Now, this is an eighth angel, and some uh, Bible scholars believe that this might be Jesus. Others say it's not Jesus. I'm in the camp that says it's not Jesus, because the Greek word for another angel, the Greek word is alos, meaning 
of the same kind. So this eighth is of the same kind of the seven that preceded the eighth. So Jesus is not an angel, despite what um, Jehovah's Witnesses tell you. He's not Michael the archangel. He's superior to any angel. This is an angel like the other angels. Okay, so this is not Jesus. But this angel, the reason why some Bible scholars say, well, maybe this is Jesus is because he's going to serve here in somewhat of a priestly role. Now, again, this doesn't mean it's Jesus because even human beings on earth in the in Levitical system of the Mosaic law served in a priestly role where they would connect man to God and God to man. Now, that priestly role has been removed because Jesus now is our intercessor. He is our high priest. But when you look at the role of this angel, even though this angel is going to be functioning in somewhat of a priestly role, this angel is another angel, alos, of the same kind. So this this is an inferior angel to Jesus as Messiah, as God. And this angel takes a golden censer, and he came and he stood at the altar, and he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Now, please make a note in the margin of your Bible. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible tells us that the earthly temple that was built in Jerusalem God gave originally the tabernacle design to Moses and then the construction of the permanent temple to David and David's son Solomon would build it. And Hebrews 8.5 says that the temple built in Jerusalem was a type of, a shadow, a picture of the actual temple in heaven. And that in heaven there is an actual throne. And when you look at the different elements of the temple that once stood in Jerusalem, since has been destroyed in 70 AD, it actually just is a picture for us of a heavenly design. And in heaven, just like there was on the earthly temple, there's this golden censer, there's an altar, there's incense, there's a throne, and God is seated on the throne. And this angel then is uh, bringing this incense, and incense was a picture of the prayers of the saints as the incense rose to heaven, this wonderful aromatic thing, that it was a reflection of the prayers of the saints that rose to God. Now, who's praying here? It doesn't tell us. Are these those saints who have been martyred during the tribulation? Are these perhaps even the prayers of the saints over the course of time in history. Uh, It's probably all of that. The wonderful thing here is that the prayers of the saints are never forgotten by God. They have been preserved and kept and heard by the Lord. And they are now in this beautiful picture here, rising like incense to the throne of God. Now, at the same time that the prayers are going up, judgments are about to come down. So note that. And it says in verse 5, And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. Now, this is the beginning of the judgments of the series of trumpets coming upon the earth. So the aroma of the prayers are going up. Judgment is about to come down. And with that, all of these sounds there in verse 5, noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So here's this picture of, in heaven, these seven angels positioned with trumpets, and they are about ready to each sound their trumpet and pronounce these judgments. So uh, what I've done here as we go through these verses, I've summarized 
uh, the different trumpet judgments. And so here's the first one, and then we'll read through the text again. What we're going to find when, when the first trumpet is blown by this first angel is that a third of the earth is, burnt, is burned up, a third of the trees are burned up, and all the green grass is burned up. And when you read, as, as we'll see here in a moment, the phrase mingled with blood, it probably indicates that many will die. This judgment is similar to, the, to one of the plagues in Exodus chapter 9. And so again, here's what it says, starting in verse 7 in your Bibles. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Now, listen, this is going to have tremendous ecological ramifications. A third of the trees, you know, all the green grass. Think about how this, it's a domino effect. Think about how now, what's, what will livestock graze on? There will be no grass to graze on. A third of the trees completely burned up. You know, I, You've heard my bent uh, uh, that I think the environmental movement has kind of be taken on a life of its own. And, and some people, I think, worship the planet more than they do worship God. And Romans tells us that there's going to be this inversion of that kind of thing in the latter days where people worship creation more than they do the creator. And I see some of that happening. I, I hope you, you have your eyes open and you're, and you're awake to this kind of a thing that's happening in our world now where, you know, there's all this big, you know, push for the environment and go green and carbon footprint. And I think to myself, you have no idea what is about to come upon the earth because it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Now, that doesn't mean we need to go and, you know, destroy the planet, you know, pick up trash and, and uh, I begrudgingly recycle and stuff like that, even though they have now discovered that recycling is more expensive in the long run. Anyway, the issue is here, though, that God is going to bring terror upon the earth. And a third of the trees, I mean, imagine the tree huggers are going to have a conniption fit. It's going to be like there's a third less trees to hug, yep, and, uh, and there's no green grass at all. And so this is what is going to happen. But, you know, again, the ramifications of, of how this will affect livestock is untold. Then, then the second trumpet sounds. The second trumpet between verses 8 and 9, tells us that a third of the sea becomes blood, a third of sea life is killed, and a third of sea vessels are destroyed. And it says in verse 8, Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed." Now you have to remember that John is writing in the first century, and often as he writes, he describes things using similes, like or as. So, you know, he's like, the second angel sounded, and something, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And so, you know, it's, it's very likely that this is an asteroid, uh, perhaps, that, that God is, is bringing this, this asteroid that is ablaze, and it impacts uh, the planet. By the way, scientists have named an asteroid that uh, they believe will impact the Earth. It's called Asteroid uh, 1950 DA. The scientists in the journal Science have written that there is a 1 in 300 chance, okay, that we will be hit by an asteroid March the 16th, 
2880. So we're about 800 years away. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime. But check this out. It, it is estimated that this asteroid, at the time that it may impact the Earth, and one in 300 chances is a, is a pretty good likelihood it may, it's one kilometer wide. That's a little more than half a mile for us in America who, who never converted to the metric system. And a little more, it's like 0.62, something like that, uh, miles wide. And they say that the impact of an asteroid just a half a mile wide upon the Earth would be the equivalent of one million tons of TNT. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes Mercy is waiting for you With every sunrise Hope is an open ocean Jump in and you'll find The cornerstones Your connection Run towards your new Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.